everybody. Happy Friday. It is a very, very special episode of Right Click Save the World. It's myself, Diego, and we are very, very glad to be presenting Avery Akindeni from Vayner 3. Avery, happy Friday. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm so excited to be here. Big fans of what you all are building, and I adore Diego, so I was really honored he asked me to join you all in this fun LinkedIn Live. I adore him too, so we have that in common. We're going to talk about a whole range of different things, but we're going to start primarily around the concept of Web3 and major brands. We'll get into the work you do and the organizations that you support. I know you and Diego are super, super busy in this space. I also know you guys have both recently come back from Miami. And so I'd love to get a bit of a download from you guys on Art Basel when we get the time. But to start us off, to kick us off, Avery, please give us a brief introduction for yourself, for those of you who don't know who you are, um, and maybe give us a little bit of what was your introduction to Web3. For sure. I'm Avery Akinini, and I am the president of Vayner3. Vayner3 is a Web3 consultancy focused on helping enterprises navigate and thrive in this next iteration of the internet. And I have been, you know, in this space full-time for almost two years. Um, my career is as a digital marketer. I started at Target and then I worked at Google and then I joined VaynerMedia, um, which is the sort of core business under VaynerX um, in 2018 to help Gary Vaynerchuk spread his vision across the world, across different disciplines. I started our business in Asia Pacific, um, grew that to a couple hundred employees. And during the pandemic, I started to spend a lot of time in my computer and started to get very interested in what was happening in the world of Topshot and the sort of deep NFT communities and CryptoPunks and art blocks. And the more we learned, the more interested we got. Gary got very, very passionate around this topic and he actually launched Friends in May of 2021. And through that experience, we started to get way more hands-on and move from sort of theoretical to practitioner level. Um, and as we did that, we realized this is actually going to change the game for how brands engage with their consumers and their customers and build relationships and build loyalty. And we launched Vayner NFT in June of 2021 to help uh, enterprises do just that. And since then, we've evolved. We realized NFTs are just one important piece of the whole Web3 ecosystem. So we rebranded to Vayner3 earlier this year, and we're fortunate to work with a number of Fortune 500 companies and governments and large associations to help uh, them develop meaningful programs. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the introduction. The Vaynerverse is broad. I, I, I would love a breakdown on that in just a second. But before we get into that, everybody, please, who've joined us, please give us the GM in the comments. Please let us know where you're dialing in from, where in the world you're joining us from. It's always great to hear um, where, you guys, where you guys are listening into or where you guys are watching from all around the world. Give us a GM and also hold on. There will be a part coming. So for those, those people who've been here since early, there will be a POAP. So hold on for that. That's coming later. Um, and I can see the chat rolling in already now, and there will be Q&A as well. So people start like preparing your Q&A. They do, the guys love the pots. Um, Avery, for those people who don't know Gary, and I, I'm calling it the Vaynerverse because I don't know if you have a meta term for the constellation of different projects and stuff, but um, how did you get involved with Gary and help us understand a little bit about all the different parts of what goes on at the, the Vayner Corporation? For sure. So I. Um first got involved with Gary because when I was working at Google, Vayner was um, pitching us some different services. Uh, they, at the time, were known primarily as a community management agency and a social media agency. And they were talking to Google about what they could do together. And I was very impressed with Gary. I wasn't a fan of his sort of like natively, but as I heard him as a business person, an entrepreneur and a CEO, I was like, wow, 
every other CEO is sort of like shades of gray. And then this guy is like orange, like nothing, not like the others. Um, and uh, I was very like, just interested in what he was building and we became friendly and I ended up joining VaynerMedia um, a couple of years after that. And uh, VaynerMedia is the sort of core engine behind VaynerX. VaynerX is Gary's holding company, which encompasses multiple different entities, everything from Vayner Speakers, which is a speaking bureau, shout out Zach Nadler, to Gallery Media Group, which is a publishing house that encompasses um, brands like 137PM and PureWow. Um, even Nostradam, which is a production agency, uh, but VaynerMedia is really like the heart of it. I think at VaynerX, there's almost 2000 employees and the vast majority of those work on VaynerMedia. Um, and then VaynerMedia employees often graduate to other Vayner entities. So for example, uh, Andy Cranach, who spent maybe almost a decade at VaynerMedia um, working on Team Gary, uh, now runs vFriends, which is Gary's NFT brand and program. Um, we also have uh, companies like Vayner Sports, which Gary's brother AJ now runs, and that is a sporting agency. So these are all kind of in the, the Vaynerverse, if you will. But um, Vayner3 is one of the many companies under the VaynerX umbrella, um, but a distinct company that specifically focuses on Web3. Got you. Gary has been busy. And so let, let's break down the Vayner3 because that's that's something that you, you founded. You were the founding mm -hmm. president. You were there at the very start. Um, what was the origin story? How did how did that spin out? And then where did how did you get to today? What are the what are the kind of features of the organization? What have you been doing? What does the team do? You know, how do you guys show up? Yeah, so we started sort of on the back of the tremendous amount of interest for V Friends. I think V Friends uh, is a program that Gary poured a lot of his heart and soul into, literally drawing all of these characters himself, really putting himself out there to communicate um, around NFTs and like why they're meaningful. And I think the the strategy behind V Friends is only starting to be understood. The idea of, you know, an NFT getting you access to a three-year conference, a super conference, is one that we've now seen a lot of people sort of mirroring because it has a very clear utility. If you've ever attended a conference, you know you have to pay to go to those. Um, so this idea of this NFT um, that allows you to attend this conference for three years is pretty special. This year at VCon, um, we had folks like Snoop Dogg and Mila Kunis, um, Wyclef, and, and many other incredible um, sort of cultural leaders along with Web3 leaders all gathered in one place. So vFriends was like really the like, oh my God, this was a breakthrough moment. And then we decided to take that um, to a lot of our brand partners. So for example, Anheuser-Busch, our first client um, at Vayner NFT, um, has been a Vayner client under the media side for a decade, same with PepsiCo. A lot of these relationships have existed for a very long time. And we are able to you know, build upon the foundation of trust we have with those organizations um, to launch into the world of Web3 because we help them get into Web2. A lot of times we set up their first Facebook pages and Twitter accounts. So they know Vayner and they know we tend to be a little bit ahead. but the reason we wanted to do it as a special and separate company was that it matters so much. It can't be just one more thing that the VaynerMedia team is trying to do on top of the hundred other things they're trying to make like Super Bowl commercials and Snapchat ads. We believe that it requires this like singular focus and also an expertise of people who are really in the space. Um, maybe some of y'all listening on LinkedIn see a lot of experts who are talking about things in, in the world of Web3. Oh, yeah. Maybe haven't, haven't been hands-on <laughs> with actually there. doing those. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what we bring at Vayner3 is like, we can talk the talk, but walk the walk and show you the results of the things that we've done many times over. And we wanted to have this special, like this group that's totally dedicated. So it's not, you know, priority 10 on somebody's list of 100. I love it. Love. I love it. For me, like, I, I would like to tap in on one thing you said, which, which, you know, I'll love to see your point of view on that. 
coming from that journey where, you know, a lot of this stuff, the group has been doing it and you've been part of it as well, is connected to uh, media, social media, uh, you know, diverse platforms, e-commerce and all of that. What is sort of like the pattern you've seen in the past that you're taking advantage of extracting, uh, you know, similar behaviors or patterns from the the past uh, cycles that you're now applying to this cycle, right? Because I I tend to say that if you want to predict the future, you need to look at the past and I'm definitely sure you're doing it. So like, what are the, what are the things you, you, you know, advising clients or, or building the culture and mindset with the team around those lines? Yeah, I think uh, it's funny that you mentioned this, Diego, because a lot of our partners who are most eager about Web3 actually were very late to the game with like Web2. There were the companies who were like, I already have TV ads. I don't need a Twitter. Nobody cares what like, you know, my snack brand is talking about. Um, And then they realized that actually brand is built in social. So um, I think that that conversation has changed so much, even Mm -hmm. since I was first, you know, talking to Gary when he was telling us like, hey, Google, like your social media isn't good. And he was right, by the way. Now that's changed like dramatically. And I think companies who are late to the game of getting social right actually have strangely this like really this commitment to better understand what's happening in Web3 because they don't want to be left behind. They know change is the only constant. And many of the brands that we work with have been at the, you know, they're centuries old. Like they were around way before there was internet, um, it was print ads. It's funny. We were just chatting with my team internally um, about Johnny Walker, which has existed for centuries. And we have like old print ads, then they made TV ads and they made social ads. Now they're in this web three and their whole thing is progress and keep walking. And like, as a brand, like every relevance is everything. You Mm -hmm. have to be ahead of the curve. You have to be where your consumers are and where they're going, or you're going to be left behind. So I think that the repetition is people are going to be skeptical. There are a lot of people who are very skeptical about the internet, about social media, and now about Web3. And, um, you know, I think that that's normal and it's natural. And it is like a, still a tiny percentage of the population, but it's a tiny and growing percentage of the population that's starting to embrace this new era of the internet. And I think um, brands who lean into it are going to have outsized benefits of, of really understanding how this works, operationalizing it internally and externally with their customers. And And I think that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is these, um, you know, corporates and Diego used to work there too, right? Um, They're big machines and internal training and education is so important. Um, And that doesn't get talked about enough. A lot of times um, companies are focused on doing something with their consumers before their employees really understand it. And I think it's actually a a real interesting thing for learning and development, employee retention, and and just, um, you know, continually upskilling employees. Yeah, I love you touching on education because a lot of people ask me, like, what are the main hurdles, right, that all those companies are facing or what are the main sort of like uh, struggles they're going through? And I always point those three, right? Education is the first. And then the second is, uh, you know, the the machine itself, the machinery, right? So you're looking into legal, you're looking into, uh, you know, corporate, you're looking into uh, finance and all those details of how do you sort of like bring this new world into uh, to merger to get connected with uh, the old world, if you want, or sort of like, you know, the, the corporate world on that sense. And then the third thing I, I talk a lot is a short term view, right? So when when you mention e-commerce, for example, or social that either those major brands that learned the lesson that they missed on on internet and then they missed on social and they don't want to miss on the on this new evolution of the internet. But a lot of times they also tend to look short term, right? So what is the ROI of Web3? What is the ROI of NFTs, right? So how do how do we go about driving revenue right now and 
And a lot of the times what, you know, I, I keep doing on my side is, is helping them to, you know, zoom out and tie everything to their brand strategy. So they are able to start looking five, 10 years from now. Right. Are you facing, seeing the same patterns? Is that the same sort of like things you see on your side? Absolutely. And I was just chatting to some of the Salesforce Web3 like advisory board folks, and we were talking about some of the things that are coming up in conversation. And a lot of brands are like, you know, I need to make X million dollars of this if we're going to invest in a Web3 program. I don't think that's the right way to think about it right now. I think part of this is happening because if you look back a year, and you, we've all seen these doom dashboards of Adidas and Anheuser-Busch and you know, Nike making a lot of money. And then brands yeah. look at that and they're like, well, they made $185 million. Can't I make 10? And we're like, well, that was a very different market. And a lot of that was actually driven by sort of speculative hype buying that I don't think we're going to see um, return uh, anytime soon. But that's okay, because more importantly is using this as um, a way to engage, to build loyalty, to build community um, and offset other marketing costs. So if you think about just sort of paid media, brands spend a lot of money on that. They spend a lot of money to acquire things like emails or better understand their customers. Using Web3 as you know a smarter way to spend their media and marketing dollars, I think is, is probably the better bet for the short and medium term as they build ways to commercialize this. I think Starbucks is a great example, right? Starting with free, but it will move into something that has paid options. I think we'll see a lot of that in the future. Reddit, same thing. Starting with free options and then small ways for, for like users to sort of uh, pay to participate. I think the days of selling um, NFTs for several thousand dollars um, to mainstream consumers are, it's just, it's not going to be a, a very winning strategy outside of a few specific luxury brands who really have that right. I think when we're looking at the Tiffany's of the world, you're making 250 of these and it's super luxury. That's still, you know, they're, they're then sort of targeting this crypto native community specifically. But I think we see too many brands targeting the crypto native community. Um, and it's not a never ending well of, of funding, right? Yeah. yeah, especially at this market, right? That's one of the things I try to say a lot as well. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the Dune dashboards and Adidas and all of it, and and a lot of the brands that I started engaging with, they were like, "Oh, Adidas made like 24 million in in 24 hours. Like, how how can we do the same?" And you know, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm like I'm I'm even more sort of like blunt on that. Is not gonna happen again, right? I don't think it will happen again. I think that what happened there was was something that was connected to the market time was timing as well it was one of the first brands to do it and to do it right and to understand the community and to be able to drive that that sort of like drive the needle there right so i'm really really excited on seeing uh you know the new business models i think loyalty is the next big cycle as you just said right so how are we going to go about uh you know um one driving that freemium model but also understanding what what goes from there right how do we build utility on top of that how do we build uh, you know, benefits that are gonna gonna go beyond than point collection. I think that one of the next big things is gonna happen is also around tokenomics, right? You're gonna see brands having tokens, and those tokens will be, uh, you know, fungible tokens where you can swap in a certain place. You know, a Nike token for an Adidas token, and you're gonna start like seeing consumers swapping membership around, which I think you know might be an added layer for for all of that. So. I'm excited about this new cycle, especially next year, where we know that brands now have budget for it. We know that brands yeah. now have teams being built. We know that, you know, the 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 whole hype is out. So they're not thinking so short term anymore. I think 23 is going to be a gigantic year for for the space, especially, especially, you know, for for mainstream adoption. 
Yeah. And, and Diego, just to sort of like show the contrast to that, because like, I think we're very much on the same page, like there are commercialization opportunities and it does exist. It's just, that's not the only value, right? Exactly. That shouldn't be the primary driver, the primary motivator right now. Um, and I think when we've tried to see brands go in, maybe they're starting their auction at $200,000 for a car that hasn't worked out great. So um, also showing those cases of like, you know, starting small, starting free, starting with something that's an engagement layer, instead of just trying to get a purely high price point, I think is, is a strategy that um, when you kind of show some data points, brands can really understand. Yeah. That's a really nice point. I think we can probably expand on this. I'm going to I'm going to challenge the the 24 million. Can it be done again? I think I think that that value can be done again. I just don't think it can be done in this off the same mechanic. I think the you put it really nicely, Avery. That there are brands that have the permission to charge for digital assets or to charge for membership of a digital community, or you know, there's lots of different ways that we could we can tell it, and we'll we'll kind of go onto that. Um, you know, if if you had a major brand that has interesting content that generates a significant amount of um, desire. I was about to say FOMO, but I think I'd rather use yeah. desire as a term because desire, you're, yeah. you're, you're playing on um, kind of greed and fear one way or another. Um, and and then they can back that up with an engaging digital experience that grows, that is unique and that money can't buy in the physical world or that links to things in the physical world that money can't buy traditionally. I think I think the monetization of that proximity to the brand or that engagement with the consumer is worth billions and billions of dollars and 24 mil is, is easy is easily achieved but with with the appropriate mechanics with the appropriate yeah. longevity of the experience right yeah. you don't you don't just drop a 20 mil drop and then then you're off and done and, and you can yeah retire. I think I think that's exactly right and especially as you look to the future or you look to Gen Alpha they're growing up like paying for digital assets in games like Roblox like you know, I use this example all the time, but like my friend's kids, they don't want a toy for their birthday. They want Robux. So like mm. we're, we have this whole new generation that's coming in, you know, into spending power and they are used to paying for things digitally. When we were growing up as kids, that wasn't a thing. Um, so I think that like 24 million, that's, that's a small number in the long term, but in the immediate term in Q1, 2023, I think it's going to be pretty hard for a brand to do $24 million on a single drop. Never impossible. Nothing's impossible, but um, I think even those who are able to generate those types of like on mint day type uh, type of massive successes, it's been very hard for them to maintain that. And from a brand perspective, like how you're you're being represented um, in the long term matters a lot. Uh, so I think it's it, it's going to be a different strategy. But those numbers I think are just going to over the long term continue to grow and grow of like digital asset sales, I think are going to be um, relevant across categories. We see a lot of it in fashion because that it's obvious you can dress your avatar, you um, like people are, are used to that idea of like collabs and you know, limited edition drops and all those things. But even beyond that, like membership passes, engagements, mm. tickets to things, there's so many um, sort of digital token enabled experiences that I think um, will be critical for brands in the future. It just, we need to be a little bit patient and meet consumers where they are today. Yeah. What is your, what is your tapping on that? What is your most favorite or the use case that you're the most bullish on, right? We, we obviously seen collectibles, we've seen PFPs, we've seen membership now, uh, you know, like, but from, from this ginormous amount of possibilities that, that we know, cause we spend 24, 25 hours of our day in this space. Uh, what is, what is your most preferred, what, which is the one that you're looking at and you're like, mm, you know, people might not be seeing it yet. 
long-term, it's definitely loyalty. I think that makes like the most sense and has the most clear use case. In the short term, I think it's really events. So, you know, we were right. just talking about Art Basel and seeing communities come together in real life still really matters. I know that gaming is huge. I know metaverse experiences are going to be huge, but we haven't yet seen those take off the same, like, hundred percent yet in this world of web three. And when you are at somewhere like our Basel and you're seeing all these activations, these token enabled activations, I think it's very clear. It's like, this is a community building effort where people are coming together with shared interests. They're taking all these pictures that's earned media. They're talking positively about the brands. There's this massive halo effect and, you know, brands and, and large enterprises, they understand events, they understand ticketing. This is a thing that is clear. It is obvious. So one of the reasons we actually wanted to throw via Scope Beach this year was to really invite our partners to participate in a token gated experience. We worked with token proof and had 2,500 people come through and they could experience that. And now we understand more about them. We um, can, re can re-engage them in the future uh, because we did it at VCon, but VCon is just for VFriends holders. So we couldn't yeah. really invite like brands and clients here. We could enable people to participate and to see it. So that's the one that I'm most bullish on in the short term. And in the long term, I think hands down it's loyalty. And then the longer, longer term it's identity. I think the future right. of identity is ownership. Um, I just heard Ian from Ledger say that, and it just sums up my thoughts on the topic so well. Um, Ownership really matters. And uh, I think the future of, of identity is actually owning your data, is owning your information personally, is having custody of that. And it's something that um, kind of goes against, it's something that uh, goes against this sort of like web two tech giant controlling everything mindset. Mm. And I think is very core to the true ethos of blockchain and decentralization is individual users having sovereign ownership of their identity in related assets. Let's unpack that for a little bit, because I, I, I think the, the okay. long term story around loyalty is an interesting one. And, and I think pre presenting it at face value, everyone's going to think, well, this is it's coupons or maybe it's around. If, if you think about looking backwards, it's about the digital wallet. Um, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of the um, digital transformation projects or the customer engagement projects I was working on with the likes of Deloitte were. We, we need to get access to the wallet. We, we, we need to be able to, to push messaging or communication or get engagement with customers and communities where they are, right? They're on, they're on their phone or they're on their computer. So how do we create a digital wallet where we can push some stuff? And at that time, most of what people were thinking of, oh, well, we'll put receipts in there and then people can have their digital receipts and then we'll send them push notifications, right? Awful, horrible, miserable customer experience compared to what we're used to today, right? Is, is that the best we can do, guys? Um, but, but that's kind of where the state of the art was 10, 15 years ago. The, the level of imagination and creativity was so low. Social media, generally speaking, as, as an engagement or as a crossover channel was, was almost unheard of. Again, you had a bit of Facebook here and there, but nothing significant. Um, when it comes to loyalty for Web3, what are you guys really excited about? Or what are the features, the capabilities that are going to enable brands to, to really push the envelope? Um, what feature? So I think like, first let's start off by how we define web three, which is always changing, always fluid, but to us, web three is the next iteration of the internet. And it is underpinned most critically by blockchain. So by blockchain technology, that is kind of like consumer facing a lot of blockchain applications are more B2B or, you know, technical that won't be consumer facing. We believe this like next iteration of the internet blockchain will actually be a very core underpinning. Um, and with that comes NFTs, comes metaverse, comes decentralized finance, um, and uh, there's one more we usually say, but anyway, those are the kind of core things that, that come to us for Web3. And it also includes this cultural 
tie as well um, that uh, that I think is important. So the things that we're most interested in is this idea of users being able to to own assets and prove those. I think that's a big, big, big thing. Mm. Um, is the you know both the cultural aspect that comes along with that and the um, oh and the, sorry the fourth bucket I completely forgot. It's very important. Is crypto. Um, so I think broadly we believe that the ability for users to own assets and to show those off as part of their identity is going to be um, something that matters. Prove what you actually own um, in a digital world is is going to be something that's tremendously important. And we've seen the early days of this in like small little pockets, like the PFP revolution. But we think it can be so much more than that of, you know, really showcasing uh, the things that matter to you in your life and that you own. Like your digital wallet really being in some ways like your Instagram account, showing the pieces of art you love, the events that you've been to, you know, kind of representing who you are as a person and showing that off to people that you might know and people that you might not know. Yeah. One thing that would add to that, which I'm really excited about, is thinking about loyalty uh, from from like really a helicopter view, right? So if you look at loyalty today and why Web3 makes it more appealing or more exciting from a structure level is that we are working on silos today, right? So whatever one brand has, it it's sitting on that silo and it has a siloed approach from a tech standpoint where is not interoperable, right? You can really like go left or go right or exchange or swap or sort of like build on top. So that element of Web3, which I'm really excited about is giving the, the user the, the, the possibility of either swapping or building or getting the possibility of bringing elements from outside inside, right? So it's yeah. flattening that, that sort of like siloed approach and having a flat approach to it where, you know, like we know, we know the, the possibilities that will come with it because, it, you know, as I said before, it could become almost like the, the cryptocurrency market through, through brands points or, uh, you know, brands uh, loyalty, uh, you know, rewards or, or any of it. So I think that that like flattening aspect that gives everyone the chance to tap in and tap out is, is, a, is a major element, right? And I think from an from a, from a interaction perspective, we got two-way stream as well, right? Which, which is different than, than back in the day. One-way stream is, for example, airdrops, right? To, to Anthony's point, airdrops will be almost like those coupons that you get, right? So you, you wanting or not, you're going to get the shit from us, right? Like we, we will force yes. you getting it and you're going to get it. And that's how it is. And but the other element which is interesting is I'm really bullish and I'd love to to hear your point on that, Avery, whether you, you think the same way or not. But I think that five, ten years from now, every single relevant website in the world will have a connected wallet button, right? And by doing so, what that website's gonna be doing is basically scanning through everything you've owned and everything you've uh, done on chain, you know, obviously if permission and, and, and things are granted, uh, respecting whatever privacy laws will develop along the way, but that will enhance your experience based on your interaction with the brand, which is basically the main pain point for e-commerce right now, which is, which is personalization, right? How do I show something relevant to the right user? And I think that like blockchain has such a powerful way to do that. And NFTs is going to be that digital representation of ownership that everybody was alluding to, right? So I think that sort of like this two-way stream, which is I'm going there collecting and connecting my wallet and therefore having a better experience or having access to stuff that I wouldn't have had before because you don't know enough about me. Uh, but also sort of like the airdrop or the other side of things that, you know, there is a, there's a two-way stream over there. I like how you describe that. You've got utility out, which is saying we will, we will create things that as customers you'll pay for, right? Which, 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 because we are using tokens, shared incentives, crypto, 
um, POAPs, um, gating, NFTs, drops, digital art, whatever it is, we as a brand will create things that you'll be interested in. I think the second part of that is really interesting and how that plays out because as, as, a, as a customer, as a, sorry, as a brand, when you see a customer, what you'll see is maybe their name, their address and their email. Mm. And so from that, you've got a limited set of data against which you can then make certain inferences. You know they've bought something from you possibly, or maybe not, maybe they've just signed up for a mailing list. When you go and you link to a wallet, you say, right, I'll let my data science team have a look at this person's wallet if they've given permission to do so. I know how much crypto they're holding in that wallet. I know how many parts they have in that wallet. I know which other wallets that wallet has transacted with in a you know, completely public permissionless way. I don't know their names, but I know that this person, for example, right now is holding half a million dollars worth of ETH. This might be a customer that I might treat differently to Anthony, who's holding two Dogecoin in his wallet and you know, may not be somebody who, who is ready to spend or able to spend as much. And if you know at that exact time that there is that much crypto in that wallet and you want to send that coupon, the ability to transact the funds available to transact at that particular moment, you've got something quite powerful. 100%. Now, there's, there's, there's the consumer protection, privacy protection, overreach, is this in, you know is this too much information for brands to have as a brand you're looking at that thinking wow gold mine happy days finally i've got depth of understanding about about consumers to a level that i never had before at least I, i've got part of the picture right? i've got the web3 part of the picture yeah um, i think that there's two two interesting aspects there right and i think every obviously you have talked to probably as many or much more lawyers than i so let's let that for the second point but the first point is i think that the really beautiful element of the hope I have for Web3 future is that that interaction with the brand could be rewarded and would be needed of permission, right? So imagine you go to the website, you connect your wallet, the brand comes and say, would you like to share this information for this amount of points? Or would you like to let us enhance your profile? Yes or no, if we will provide this value back to you, right? So you start having, you, you keep at the core of, uh, you know, why we're building all this thing, which is privacy. And, and and transparency, but then you give back power to the user to decide what the user wants to share back to you know that brand to enhance their profile within that website. So I think like if we can deploy against that, I think that would be a way for us to indeed evolve the internet for a better place than Web two. Uh, and then on the second layer is the lawyer side of things, right? I'm talking to a lot of different lawyers, and there is a lot of laws being built or or on the works on discussions right now on how they will apply GDPR and all those things for, for Web3, right? Because it's not because information is available and transparent on chain that you can just go and scrap it, right? Like that's not necessarily how it will work. So I don't know, Avery, what is, what is your point and experience there? But you probably have had hard conversations as I did. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that um, one of the biggest challenges that's actually facing the Web3 industry right now is a lack of legal transparency because the space is, everyone is kind of guessing what they think is the right thing to do. Um, there's a lot of consideration around securities, and that is actually scaring a lot of big enterprises from playing in the space. There's also, um, you know, there's been some little hand slaps for things like even agencies marketing, you know, Super Bowl commercials for crypto companies. Um, so I think there is not that much like black and white clarity on exactly like how to, how companies can best structure this. So everybody's making their best guesses. I've talked yeah. to dozens of lawyers and a lot of them have different perspectives and it's, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give any legal advice, but I can say some take a tact of being a little bit more, um, you know, willing to push the boundaries, uh, 
even publicly traded companies, like they're willing to take some element of risk. They're um, willing to explore and experiment, of course, within the bounds of how they understand this stuff today and in the sort of bounds of legislation, which somewhat is open for interpretation. On the flip side, we also have some um, partners who work with legal firms who say, stay away from all of this stuff. You cannot touch crypto. It's very dangerous. You cannot launch any NFTs. There'll be a security. If you launch an NFT, you need to say exactly what it will do. Nothing more than that. Nothing less than that. You know, really treating it like a sweepstakes, um, which isn't ideal. Um, and, you know, I think you can point to a lot of different public company activations in this space just to see that um, the shades of, of different interpretation. Our perspective right now is that it it um, determine it depends a little bit on the company uh, appetite for risk and appetite for sort of being fluid. And regardless of that risk appetite, there's a way that every company can participate in this space, even if that it means something that is clearly okay, like sponsoring a you know Web three party. Diego, I know you work with a lot of brands as well. Some of them sponsor different things that aren't Basel. That like they weren't launching a token, but maybe they were providing like free drinks for a party, maybe they were putting on a party and, and kind of keeping themselves in the mix of a relevant conversation without doing anything that was like themselves tokenized or themselves paid. Um, I think the the aspect that um, becomes challenging is this idea of airdropping and of sort of subsequent rewards, which have not been communicated. That's probably the most uh, legally tricky type of thing. And that's why you've even seen some Web3 native brands require um, uh, require uh, users, yeah, KYCing. Um, even like you know, some of the most famous Web three brands have gone through that process and be, mm. been mixed with some mi mixed sentiment. And the reason they did that was clearly their lawyers said like, okay, great, if you're going to make this move, you can, but you need to understand the information of who you're actually selling this to. So um, I think that that is something that uh, the the sort of true deep crypto native community. Um, hasn't reacted very well to to date, but is going to be very important for these sort of like ongoing long-term programs that that have a lot of rewards, um, especially those that could be sort of like resold for monetary gain. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. And the speculation ahead of time for the value of what that utility might be if you buy the token now and then subsequently the airdrop comes back and actually it's underwhelming or the, the perceived value is so much lower than the one or two ETH that you paid for the NFT. The potential for that then going massively wrong in terms of your engagement with your community. If you can't be transparent about what's happening next, then it's left a bit open. And then you come with something that may not be the equivalent of one or two weeks worth of value. One particular brand's having some challenges around it this week. I'm not going to call them out because I love them and I don't want them yeah. to get any more heat than they've already got. But if you know, you know, and 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 that sucks too, because you know, guys who are fans of the brand, fans of the product will come in and say, you know what, I reckon that's worth a thousand dollars. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, grab the loot box and see what happens. And, you know, that's as much potential for downside as there is upside there. Yeah. Um, I wonder just, just there's a few a few comments coming through guys, please do. If you have any questions for Avery, yeah. we're going to spend a few minutes at the end, please do add them in the comments. We're going to try and get through them. Um, we're going to get the co-op coming through soon. So guys, please do add, add the when comments. Up, the Anthony. When when soon. soon. The people <laughs> want their co-op. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta they gotta earn it you talked about this earlier right if, if you want yeah. something from us you've got to give us something back you've got to watch <laughs> exactly circa 38 minutes worth of the show or maybe 40 um to be able to get it you know that it goes both ways and um i want to just a couple of comments that have come through on the chat have been around could you elaborate a little bit more on projects or give a little bit more detail one of the questions that i wanted to, to ask to you avery is you know what are some of the 
examples of projects that you at Vayner 3 have been working on specifically, just to give a little bit of color to what that looks like, right? Um, so For sure. I know you're not allowed to have favorites, but recently, what are some examples just to help people contextualize? Yeah, there's a couple that I'm I'm really proud of. In the past, um, like two weeks, uh, we launched like six different things. So there's a couple that I'll talk about that I think were really fun. First, um, Crown Royal. This was a really interesting program. It was a collaboration actually with Salesforce um, and an artist called Adam Lux. Um, and this program is actually designed to be like NFTs for good program. So uh, it's a digital crown and you can nominate somebody who's been inspired you and, and Crown's whole thing is around generosity. So for each crown that was claimed, Crown Royal actually packs uh, a care package for an active duty military man through their partnership with Pearl Bag Project. So the more of these crowns that are claimed, the more um, these care packages actually go out to active duty military, which is really amazing. It launched right before Giving Tuesday. There's actually um, on a live uh, NFL game Crown Royal had an ad spot and they were so nice as to put our little QR in there, got thousands of claims, which was really nice. And I love this idea of brands starting with doing something good um, in the Web3 world and then leveraging that as an engagement tactic. So uh, web3.crownroyal.com if you want to claim one. And I think it goes through the end of the year. So that was really fun. Another that was just kind of wonderfully odd um, was something that we did with Kraft Heinz Company. This was in collaboration with WoundPay. And the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile has been cruising around America for, uh, I believe it's like almost 90 years, 86 years. And they've evolved the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile over time. This year, um, we're, we were sort of brainstorming how Kraft can participate in this space. We're like, what about if you brought the Wienermobile into Art Basel? And because it's kind of like almost an art car vibe. Um, and we actually did a special wrap on it. It was called Meetups. We worked with three different communities, NFT Now, Safi Seals, and Metaverse Miami. To have it roll up um, at their programs. There was a giant QR on it where you could claim. And I thought that was just like really a fun, lighthearted way for um, for a brand like Kraft Heinz, which is a fan favorite. You know, everybody knows what it is, but it's not really the type of brand who should be selling a digital asset. I thought it was like the right way for them to participate and do something fun before we launch um, this program that's coming in 23. And and the third program um, that I'm super proud of is our activation um, as Vayner 3 at Art Basel. We did a party called V. I think you guys came to join us, which was very fun. Um, and we had several different partnerships, everyone from Axe to Johnny Walker to uh, PepsiCo, Coinbase, um, and St. Jude's Children's Hospital, uh, bringing together all these partners for this token-gated event, which was super fun. We had Catronata headline it, and we had really thoughtful activations in the space for each sort of brand. Coinbase hosted this. Um, happy hour for female and non-binary leaders. St. Jude's had a patient art gallery. Johnny Walker had this special lounge that was, uh, you know, Vandy the Pink stopped by. They're doing a really cool collab with Block Bar. Axe did a really awesome thing with uh, with an NFT artist as well. Um, and PepsiCo did a panel featuring their their head of, of Web3 and Fawns from Token Proof. So those, those were just some of the activations that I'm really proud of over the past couple of weeks. Love that. And again, it was, demonst it was demonstrating the, the breadth and range of what it is in terms of the, the cause, the use of the tokens and the wallets and the experience for users, customers in the space. So, um, I, I, you know, you crammed a lot into the space. So I'm genuinely very, very impressed. For those who missed it before, that was Meetup, M-E-A-T, Meetup. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that one a lot. I, I also was hoping the Wienermobile would be a Lambo. Um, but I guess that's 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 a little bit too deep. One day, we are ready. When <laughs> One day, when, when Wiener Lambo. <laughs> Gotta make some calls. Uh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you asked for it. You wanted it, guys. Here it comes. The POAP is here. 
for a Let's limited go. time only. Got a Please scan. If you want to prove that you were here, I'm going to get it done. We need to prove we're well. here too, right? Yeah, exactly. Never know. We, we were all here. This happened. There we go. So that's going to stay on screen now for another 10 seconds for those people who are slow to draw for the phones. Anthony, you want to give a very short debrief of what a POAP is for the ones that are in the audience that don't know about it? For those who have not come across POAP so far, so far POAP proof of attendance protocol. This is the NFT that is limited to the time period in which this show goes live. This proves that you were here with us and demonstrates that you were part of the community at the very beginning of this show as part of this right click save the world journey exactly what we do with it later and how how we how we use that to engage with the community we're going to be talking to a few lawyers and we're going to be figuring out exactly what myself and diego will will do but this helps to identify the og community those who were there at the start of the experience with us as we started creating right click save the world and believe us we are very keen to reward and celebrate the OG community, the guys who were with us first and early. So this helps you to prove that you were here, helps us to identify that you were here and helps us to connect with you in future. So that's the short short. Anything I missed, Diego? No, that's perfect. I just want to give a shout out to Tim Walter from Volkswagen Group that's in the call right now. We were talking about Lumbo, Lumbo, Lumbo. So he showed up, right? We asked him when Lumbo and yes. he's, 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 he's the one. <laughs> there we go. So, so we need Kraft Heinz and Volkswagen Group, Tim and the Wieners together. That sounds weird. And we, we need to make something happen for, for NFT Miami or for, for New York consensus or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, we're making out. things happen. All right. That's it. You've had your chance. The pop is down. Um, Avery, before we go to Q&A, I have one last question for you. This is an important question, something that we ask all the guys who come on today. What advice would you give to any brand looking at Web3 NFTs metaverse today? What's the, the distilled down one sentence, one line, one paragraph, you know, the, the key piece of guidance you want to give anybody who's not there yet, but is thinking about it? Don't be afraid to explore, to experiment, get your hands on. Um, that's the best way for you to learn and understand what's going to be interesting to consumers and, and interesting to your brand. So I always encourage people who are curious to really get hands on with this stuff. It's easy to be hand wavy. It's easy to be in the clouds, but really, you know, get your first NFT, attend an event, watch a show like this. So you can start to really understand what's real versus a lot of the hype that's out there. Love that. I, I heard watch our show and some other stuff in there. So that I, I appreciate that. <laughs> exactly. Good listening, Anthony. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it today. I'm on it. Today. It's a Friday. I'm a little slow. We're going to go to the Q&A. So I'm going to pickle down. I've been starring some of them as we get there. So I'm going to throw this one up at the start. This is from anonymous LinkedIn user. At least it appears anonymous to me. If, if you know who you are, please give yourself a shout out for this later. Um, if you are a brand new Web2 company, would you have Web3 be your strategy or entry point? So as you mentioned, CSC is expensive for ads, emails. How do we feel about yeah. that? Yeah. Absolutely. If I was launching a new brand right now, I would make sure there was a Web3 enabled layer to it. Um, I think startups often have the benefit of speed and of agility. And if I was launching a new brand, I would find ways to infuse Web3 from day one. Maybe you're day one holders. Maybe you're creating a loyalty system that's um, embedded with Web3. I don't think I would call it Web3. I would just design a really cool user experience and say, like, this is our rewards program. This is our loyalty program and find ways to make that invisible but beneficial to end users. Um, but if I was launching a new brand, that would be top of my list for strategically. Yeah. Let me take yeah, a quick step on that just to build on it. Um, a lot of people ask me because, you know, and, and the same for you, Avery, we work with Fortune 500 brands, right? And they're all like, oh, is this just for them? 
right? Is this just for the major brands that have the budget and can take the risk and, and everything? And I'm like, for me, it's rather the opposite, right? I choose working with Fortune 500 brands to show to the whole world what is possible at that level, which is the hardest level you can operate. Is the slowest, is the one that takes the longer to do things, is the one that, you know, is really, really hard to, to get things going, especially in an upcoming space like that. But the impact is huge, right? So what I'm trying to say here that if you understand this space and technology and not just Web3 and adding layers of it like uh, Metaverse, for example, which for me is the interface of Web3 in the future, uh, you know, building your company natively to this space is again one-to-one -one what happened with social media, right? We've seen companies taking off by understanding the community and the platform like Instagram and building natively incredible successful companies over there, right? And if you understand that, from that perspective and build natively within the so-called web tree, like other projects are doing, right? The, the so-called PFP so far, but the space is huge. We cannot forget that Yuga that has raised at a 4 billion valuation one and a half a year ago, there were just like three or four dudes having fun, right? That was a startup that now is becoming more and more a unicorn. You can argue around speculation, yalla, 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 but is a, a interesting use case of, you know, how you can build natively to a new emerging medium and technology and become relevant by doing so. Love that. Love that. A nice build. And that's, that's one we could run, but I do want to jump, jump to a couple of questions because this next one, <laughs> thank you. This, this, this one's got, this one's got some hairs on it. And, and I want to see, I know we're not, we're going to have to try and do the concise version of a response here, but I want to get both of your guys responses. Do you think having your own NFT marketplace for your own brand NFTs in future would be like having a website or a brand social media profile nowadays? Question from Chris. I think it's going to be more like brands having their own app. Some brands, the really power brands that are amazing, they have the permission to have an app. They're that cool. If you're just a toilet paper brand, though, you don't need your own app. You might need a website and maybe you need a social media, but you don't need an app. I think the same thing about NFT marketplaces. For the power, like the top few, absolutely. And I think a lot will try, but I think only the like very top sort of uh, most premium, most useful will have the permission to have their own marketplace. Do they have the permission to build their own metaverse? I also, yeah, I, I would put that in the same camp. If you're that amazing, yes. But I think that for the vast majority, 99.9% of um, brands and NFT programs, they will operate under marketplaces where people are already going um, natively. Yeah. The same way that I think that'll happen for metaverses. Yeah. That's a good challenge to anyone out there. Reimagine, re or just just for a, set, for a second as a thought experiment, imagine your brand as toilet paper and then say, how does the digital engagement work here if that's our product? And if, and if it doesn't pop, you probably shouldn't be using it, or you may need to reimagine the experience and engagement digitally, at least. The anyway, you get the point. Next question. <laughs> Avery, how's community building by Gen Z or Gen Alpha different from other generations? An example of brands that, that maximize or are, are doing a good job with the difference of this. Yeah, I'd actually like to shout out Crocs. Um, I think Crocs has done an incredible job of building a community within Gen Z that's like very, they've like really brought a research into the brand by focusing on that younger audience because what young people like, older people think is also cool. So um, I think community building for Gen Z, there's a whole host of different expectations. Gen Zs are very different from millennials in terms of their, you know, not just stereotype, but broadly um, they expect a lot more from brands. They expect a lot more transparency. They expect a lot more sort of value-driven marketing. Um, they expect uh, a lot more kind of communication 
Um, and I think that that's what resonates well with that audience. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think this audience will be a good fit for embracing this sort of ethos of decentralization um, that we're talking about a lot uh, in, in the world of Web3 and, and of community building. Um, so I think community building for, for them is, is understanding what matters to them and designing programs that support that and give them opportunities to uh, participate. I think it's a more participatory experience. I think the millennial generation was all about like looking awesome, Instagram filters, all of that, that we're seeing a big pushback uh, with this sort of new new generation of consumers. And, and I think Crocs is a, is a great example. If you check out their Instagram, their social, their TikTok, they've been so on it in terms of like, you know, not just participating in trends, but creating trends, which is always the most challenging thing as a brand. Nice. There's an interesting tension there between what we're talking about, which is corporate, to some extent, centralized organizations that have brands and that have digital experiences, but are that are leveraging decentralized technology. And this leads nicely onto our next question, which is from Artur, which is out of all the brands you're speaking with, how many treat Web3 opportunistically versus those seeing it as something that's part of their long-term success or long-term strategy? That's a good question. Um, I think that almost all of ours treat this as being part of their long-term strategy. That is the guidance that we as Vayner give people. We get a lot of inbound of like, hey, I want to do this as a campaign or I want to do this as a moment. And we try to push a lot into like, yes, that can be a moment that needs to ladder into a longer-term strategy. Um, that's 100% our belief. You know, even in our first days of our website said, we believe in this for the long term. So we really try to, to encourage our partners to embrace this long-term mindset um, and you know, explore, experiment, don't just think. I think the idea of opportunistically tapping into Web3 has not worked very well, um, particularly in the recent months. Um, anything that would be considered some a brand being opportunistic has often been uh, met with a lot of lot of scrutiny. The Web3 consumer base is very vocal, especially on Twitter and Discord. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the partners that we work with are looking at this from sort of a long-term horizon. And I think also the mindset has shifted so much, especially within the last six to eight months, right? If this conversation would be had like six months or eight months ago, I think the, the balance was almost 50-50 a lot of times, especially, you know, like the conversations I was having. Uh, but I think that now, especially because the opportunity isn't as large as it used to be, right? Making a lot of money quick without much effort. Uh, I think that that was like the necessary, uh, you know, almost like break we needed for everybody else to like come down and look at the, the long term, right? I agree. The other part of this is you're creating content that is designed to be immutable, that is designed mm. to exist in perpetuity. <laughs> as, as a corporate, are you ready for that? Right? You, you do realize that once this is up, it doesn't come down. Right? You can, you can adjust the, the parameters or you can update, you know, you can append later. But once, once you've created something, it's there, right? As if you're the NBA, right? Top shots are there forever. The IP is there forever. Mm -hmm. As le legal matters change, as perceptions change, as brands change, that's still there. You know, it's still there on a decentralized ledger that is, that is immutable and that is going to be there, assuming that the content also is there forever. How do we manage that in the real world? There's, there's going to be some challenge. So um, I think that's probably a good one to keep in mind. Love that. Here's an interesting one for you guys. I don't, know, I don't know if this is something that's, that's up your street or something that you guys spend a lot of time thinking about, but a question again from a user that I can't, can't see here. What is your favorite or most successful music-related activation with Web3? If I can jump first, I think what Spotify has done was incredible, right? Like 
changing the model and reinventing the model of launching a new album. So for who doesn't know, Spotty shout out. Um, he he's you know came along and basically launched a new a new album in a new in a new model where the community were the ones purchasing directly from him. And if I'm not mistaken, I might get the numbers wrong, but I, I will not even mention. It's probably gonna get it wrong. But he raised like quite quite a lot of revenue by trying a new model. And then Snoop Dogg came along, uh, you know, with with his label and started uh, applying the same uh, mechanics. I've been to a Twitter space where Snoop was giving a shout out to Spotty for showing him the possibilities, and and you know, a lot of a lot of other people came along and started building on top of that. So I think that specifically that pillar was really exciting for me to see the possibilities of you know almost preaching what we always talk, which is cutting the middleman, right? The label industry takes 70 to 80 percent from the artist, and now we're using this technology to go direct to direct to consumer, direct to you to community, if you will. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just add on Royal IO, um, which is is something that uh, Wow yeah. sort of developed, and I really appreciate what they're doing that enables um, holders to actually invest in musical artists that they really like and gives them a percentage of each stream. Um, Royal.io, if you haven't heard of it, check it out. I think they are building some really interesting shit. Back to our earlier conversation around legal, I don't exactly know how that's going to go, um, but I think that what they're doing is really interesting and is a real use case um, that like really can change the lives of musicians. I know they've worked with very big names like the Chainsmokers and smaller names as well. So I'm very excited about what they're building, and I think it's the most um, probably like my favorite uh, music-related activation within Web3. Nice. I'm going to add one on top here because I feel like I'm allowed. Um, public pressure, um, collabing with Moon Sama in the Polkadot community. So public pressure, they launched a particular NFT that is equipable to NFTs within Moon Sama. Moon Sama is a kind of gaming, game-centric, um, call it multiverse, where the characters that the, the NFTs are characters, and then on those NFTs you can equip items, um, and those items then represent experience or features or capabilities when you get into a gaming environment. So. Um, in the metaverse, when you when you have pods, if you have the pods NFT attached to your character, it will allow you access to a concert or allow you to play music in the metaverse platform. When you're awesome. equipping the pods and when you're wearing them in the Carnage event, which is a, a kind of Minecraft Hunger Games free for all every Sunday, which is incredible, by the way. It's the most fun I've ever had in a video game. Um, if you're wearing the pods, it allows you certain buffs so you can mine faster or run faster. This, this is interesting there. So at the same time, also with the pods, you get um, three limited edition tracks from artists on public pressure. So you've also got content around it as well. And so you're seeing multimedia or cross-platform use of a tokenized asset, but used in a bunch of different ways. So you're, you're mixing the media with the music, with the gaming experience, and, and there's going to be airdrops and other stuff in the future. So um, shout out to public pressure, shout out to Moonsama. Um, Donny Big Bags, uh, Killcore, and all of the guys developing really uh, probably some of the most fun, or I think the most fun gaming related um, blockchain and metaverse stuff at the moment. So go check out Moonsama, go check out the Sama Network, etc. We and might have chance for one more. I just need Do to have add a comment on more? there. <laughs> go for it, go for and it. that, kids, is how the, 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 the rabbit hole looks like. Yeah. <laughs> all what you just said is exactly the rabbit hole, right? Like, oh my God, there's so much to unpack in there. I love it. That's it. That That's layering utility on utility, I, I think, Incredible. anyway. So uh, last question here, shout, shout out Michael, last question here. Do you feel as though these brands are really leaning into the underlying tech and ethos 
or are they just capitalizing as PR stunts? This, this is a question I think that's probably similar to the last one, but I want, I, took, I want to take the first part of this, which is are they leaning into the underlying technology? Right. So to me, this is, are they outsourcing to white label providers and just doing minting stuff? Or do we actually see any meaningful integrations? I think there's a lot of meaningful integrations. Um, I mean, just by participating in this, like, listen, Rome wasn't built in a day and these big companies are, I think when you talk about the ethos of decentralization, like we need to be very uh, real where like big companies are not going to be decentralized for the most part. Right. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be participating in the next iteration of the internet and finding ways to involve their communities and things like decision-making and, and spreading around that power a little bit more than it is today. So, um, when, you know, I get questions all the time, do you think these companies are going to turn into a DAO? No, I think there's a level of practicality that we, we need to have. Um, but do I think that every, you know, in the next 24, to 36 to 48 months, every company is going to have a Web3 program. Yes, I do. And I think that they'll be finding ways to engage their um, communities and their um, it, you know, prospective audiences in this new way um, in a lot, like by leveraging a lot of what Web3 can offer. Like Diego said, maybe it's um, enabling a wallet sign in on their websites. Maybe it's creating a tokenized loyalty program. Maybe it's doing tokenized tickets. Maybe it's tying this to identity. So I think that they are leaning into it, but I don't think they'll ever be like the level of crypto purists in, in most cases. And if they do, it will likely be like a smaller business within the bigger business. It'll be like the dot swoosh team, not the entire Nike team, um, kind of as an example, because we also have to be realistic around um, these are very big multi-billion dollar businesses. They're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater to please, you know, uh, two million users, right? Like they have to be smart and strategic too. Um, I do think that they, um, in a lot of cases, um, brands are doing really interesting stuff. Dot Swoosh is a great example. I'll shout out our program with Budweiser and FIFA that actually updates the NFT in real time based on the scores. We did that with Quantum Tech. I think that's a really cool way to do something new. And um, the only way that this space is going to grow is by continued innovation from mixed from crypto natives who are really building from the ground up and these big um, bigger sort of names, whether they're celebrities or brands or associations who are going to be able to bring scale to this stuff. So I think we need both sides in harmony and, and the most innovative stuff is going to come from the small kind of ground up communities, but those bigger companies will help bring in more people. So I think you need both. It's an and, it's not an or. I love it. It's a perfect, perfect way to end the show. Look out, Wiener Dow coming soon, Vayner Dow coming soon, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> When, when we start seeing that level of overlay on technology and then organizational structures and then communities, then I think we're starting to be as far down the rabbit holes we can get to. But I think we're there for time. Avery, thank you so much for joining us today. We've learned a lot from your um, from your stories, from your insights, from sharing sharing what you have with us today. Diego, I hope you're feeling well rested after Miami. I feel like you're going to probably sleep the weekend away. It's been a big one for you. Um, thank you, everybody who commented, who gave us your GMs everyone who managed to grab the PO up, um, congrats to you. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another amazing guest. Guys, thank you so much again. Have a brilliant weekend and stay safe out there. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Thanks thank you. Thanks for having me guys. Bye -bye. Everybody take care and enjoy your weekend. You too. You too. Bye bye. Bye.